If you'd like to follow the passage, passages in the Bible, you'll find some on the ends. And if you'd want to get them now, I'll wait for you to get them if you'd like to look at them. The first reading is from Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves also of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And now from John, chapter 13, beginning at verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great, thank you, Penny. Uh, good morning again. Congratulations, Katie. Really privileged uh, for me to take that baptism. And, um, and I've been thinking about baptism as I've been writing this sermon as well. So keen to link what we've witnessed here with uh, what this passage, this main passage from Colossians, tells us. But I need to ask the church, first of all, what, what do you think of the new sermon series graphic? Do you like it? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, what it, what it really makes clear is we are now, without doubt, the pencil church. <laughs> Not only do we give a pencil, note an unsharpened one, to every single member of the church, adult or child, every year, but now we've got to be a pencil albeit a different colour one, to everyone else. So I just want to assure you as the pencil church that I will certainly be doing everything I can to keep my sermon to the point. So we're all sharpened in our faith, ready to journey together wherever we are led, drawing closer to God, keeping on the right track. (laughs) There we go, five pencil puns in ten seconds. Tim Vine, eat your heart out. You know, Tim Vine's a Christian, did you know that? 
He plays the drums at Kate's old church, which is, which is great, isn't it? Every time he tells a joke, he can then do a quick one-two on the uh, drum and cymbal, which would be fun. Anyhow, enough jokes, enough about pencils. What are we going to cover today? Well, the theme is being called to be different. And I've got three things that I want to talk about this morning. The first, we're going to think about why we're different as Christians and how does baptism fit into that. Secondly, we're going to think about how we're called to be different. And third, we're to think about the difference that we can make. Does that sound okay? Good. One or two people nod their heads. Great. No, there's a few more actually. So good. Let's pray that, that it is helpful, that it's encouraging and that God speaks. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you called your people to be distinctive, to shine as lights, to be missionaries to the whole of our nation and indeed to every nation of the world. Lord, in the context we find ourselves, might you equip us and inspire us, give us the power Give us the desire to share your love and your truth with everyone we meet for the glory of your name, we pray. Amen. Okay, so the first question then, why are we different? And the answer is because as Christians, absolutely everything, spiritually speaking, has changed. Our identity, our purpose, our perspective, our priorities. In the Bible's eyes, the difference between being a Christian and not being a Christian is absolutely huge. It's as different as chalk and cheese. And what lies at the heart of the contrast? It's the contrast of our hearts. Between those who've welcomed God into their hearts and those who have not. So let's unpack that contrast, the sheer enormity of what coming to faith really means. Using the passage we've just heard read, which was written by the Apostle Paul to a church in uh, Colossae, which is in modern-day Turkey. And in this particular passage, he gives us uh, a sense of who we are and how we're called to live in response to what God has done for us. So... If we have the next slide up, we can see the first few verses that we read there. And the first thing I want to highlight is there in verse 3, that we've died. Which is right, a surprising language, isn't it? What does that mean, we've died? Well, he's talking about dying to a particular sort of life. Dying to a, a distance from God. Dying to an independence from God. Dying to going our own way and not involving God in our lives. And saying, now, I want to rise again with you to a new life given to you by me. By trusting in what you've done in removing the punishment from our sins as Jesus died for us. And choosing to rise to a new life in which God is at the centre. Our faith is in Jesus. And we seek to do not our own will in, in uh, exclusive of God's, but to make his will our own. To make our heart aligned with his. That's what Christians have done. That's what parents at a baptism are saying. They're saying that I want to live a life with Jesus as Saviour and Lord and to renounce evil. That was the promise you made, Katie. 
and to receive as a result forgiveness and friendship with God and all the peace and joy that that brings and a new family here in this church that wants to love you and support you and help you and pray for you. And this is a life that goes on for eternity. In verse 4 it says that, doesn't it? When Christ who is your life, because we're living for him now, and he lives in us, and one day we will appear with him in glory. One day we will be seen to be one of his people, and we will enjoy celebrating that with him forever. And such a wonderful prospect that is. It should shape our whole mindset now. We're told there, verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Because we, when we remember Jesus, we remember that he rose and, and ascended and is triumphant at the right hand of God. And we remember that he loves us. And we remember that one day we will be with him. And there will be no more crying or sorrow or pain. And we will, be, we will be like him there because we will see him as he is. When we remember that picture of where we're heading and it captivates us, our heart is captured by it, our mind is full of it, well then we don't want to live the old way anymore. Verse 5 becomes easier to do, to put to death whatever belongs to our old nature. Because we have a new nature now. We've put off the old self. We've put on a new self. And that's who we are now. We're new people. With new responsibilities. A new calling. It's a bit like becoming ambassador for your country. You suddenly realise that what you say and what you do matters. That your job is to convey the, the love and the goodwill and the challenge that your king or president wishes for you to pass on as their representatives. We are now ambassadors of Christ, called to speak into the lives of people around us, to live as Jesus lived, to speak the words that Jesus through his spirit prompts us to speak, to be faithful to that commission, and to find our reward, to find our joy, our peace, our satisfaction in knowing that at the end he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've done all I asked of you. Come and receive your inheritance with me in heaven. That's what it's all about. Put like that, it's an astonishingly huge thing, isn't it? Being a Christian is not just like being someone who isn't a Christian, you just occasionally go to church on a Sunday. Being a Christian is having shifted our allegiance completely and utterly away from simply going our own way with all the anxiety and uncertainty and, and things that go wrong. And to say God knows best. God loves us so much. He longs to walk with us. And we long to be with him because when he's walking with us, we make better decisions. We become better people. He gives us opportunities to bless others that we would never otherwise have had. And we have a new family, a new purpose, a new peace, a new perspective when difficult things happen. Sickness, illness, death. And we can look forward to paradise where one day we will be with him. So being baptised is 
the way that we enter that life as a child. We hope and pray that Findlay will one day make those promises for himself. And every one of us here is called by name, loved far more by God than by any human being. God knows what's best for us. He calls us to walk that path. And he calls us to show his character, his goodness, his love, his truth, his compassion, his gentleness, his humility with everyone. So that when they see us, they see him. And in a world that seems to be going rather wrong at the moment, where bad people and evil things are coming to prominence, where things seem unstable, where when we speak of Christ's love and truth and our hope, it gives everyone else hope that there is a better way. That if we turn back to God as a country, as a continent, as a church, as a community, we are in safe hands. So, people of God, that's why we're different We're called to be different so that people would know that God is real, that he loves us, and he is a transforming God who turns people from ordinary human beings doing things that we all in our human nature do that let others down, that hurt ourselves and hurt others. And we're being transformed into new people who live differently, who make a difference, and who reveal God's love to the world. So, I've talked about our new nature. I've talked about the Holy Spirit in us, changing us, transforming us. The passage reminding us that over all of these things, we're to add love, that most precious quality. And that we don't do it to earn God's favour. We don't do it to somehow earn his approval or love. We do it out of gratitude for everything he has done for us. Jesus earned us God's love and acceptance and forgiveness when he died for us on the cross, the one sinless man on behalf of every one of the rest of us. If we receive that gift and if we put off all those old characteristics, if we put on those new clothes of living like Jesus, Everyone's going to notice. My friends certainly did when I came to faith. They look back on that time when I was 15 and everything before it they say is bad, bad Tommy. Everything after it they call good Tommy. And, it, you know, I, I tried to change, but actually the, most of the change became because God just did it. When you invite him in your life, you can't help but change. It happens naturally. I think they missed little bits of bad Tommy as well, but they came to recognize that I changed so much, there must be something behind it. It wasn't just someone with a long list of New Year's resolutions and an astonishing willpower. They knew I didn't have that. They recognized that God was real. And the conversations I had over the subsequent years and decades have been testament to that. They don't ask me if there's a God They ask me what he's like. They ask me if I can pray for them. And that's what I want for all of us. 
that we wear our faith on our sleeve and that we're people that other people turn to, to pray for them, to answer questions about God, to show the love and compassion and sensitivity that they have come to expect of God and to give them hope when they need it and to stand alongside them when they desperately need a friend. So I've talked about living differently by the people we are. We're now getting on to the second aspect I just want to unpack about how we're to be different. And that is that we all actually need to be different from each other within the Christian community as well. So maybe that's where this image of the pencils breaks down because actually, of course, we're called to be part of a a big people of God, not just one pencil, many, many pencils, and actually we're all made differently. We've all got a a different part to play. It's a bit more like a geometry set (laughs) than a pack of pencils. We all have gifts. We all have experiences. We all have skills. We all have personalities. We all have groups of people and situations that we're passionate about. We all have opportunities that no one else has. We all have, indeed, limitations that others don't have. And we all have a role to play. So whether you consider yourself a Christian or simply someone who's feeling welcomed into this community and you're still exploring your faith, I want to say to you that you have a role. I want to say to you that God wants to use every one of you And I want to say that we've got a fantastic opportunity in the next three Wednesday nights to explore what that looks like together. Because God has a vision for your life as an individual, as well as a vision for us as a church. And when we ask him what it is, he'll speak into that. When we ask him, what are we good at? When we ask him, what do we have a heart for? When we ask him, what pain in our past could we use to reduce pain for someone else? When we ask him, what could I become? When we ask him, what opportunities do I have? When we ask others, what spiritual gifts do you see in me? When we ask our partners and our friends, what could you see me doing as part of God's mission to the world? He speaks. He answers. Other people answer on their behalf in giving their wise feedback as well. If we go through this process together, we'll move from being a a relatively small number of people doing all of the work, getting rather tired, to the whole people of God playing their part, where no one is overburdened, where we lay down certain things that have had their season, and we take up the things that for the next season God has laid on our heart. And if we do that, the fruitfulness, the unity, the potential, the excitement... And that sense of walking with the Spirit that each of us will know will be so much greater. And so then, whatever the vision for St. Paul's that God has in the next season is, we are going to be so better equipped with so much greater energy and excitement and enthusiasm and confidence about playing our part in seeing it happen. So people of God, can you come on Wednesday please? unless there's some reason that really does stop you. If lack of babysitters is a reason, can you have a word with me and Claire afterwards? Just let us know uh, your situation and we'll see if there's something to be done to help with that. And let's go on this journey together to find our place 
to move from being spectators to servants. And not just servants who know what we're meant to do, but servants who do it in the power of the Spirit, with the guidance of the Spirit, so that what we do isn't just getting something done. It is ministering to every single person that we serve and speak to. That's what I long for for us as St. Paul's. And what will be the impact? It's our final slide now. The difference it can make. The difference it can make is that we become a church that has a real impact on the community. We can become a church that isn't growing just through people moving into the area looking for a church. We become a church that grows because people come to faith. We become a church that grows because the community starts coming in to our building more and more. And it's a church that makes an impact because every single person in it is actually growing in their faith so visibly that their friends and family can't help but notice. Is that what you want for yourself? Is that what you want for this church? Well, let's take a moment now just to silently just say to God whatever we want to say about our response to that call to be different, to make a difference. Why don't you pray silently now, just for a minute or so, and then I will pray for us all. like to invite the band just to come up and as they do that I'm going to pray for us now. I don't know what you found yourself thinking about. I don't know what you found yourself saying to God. But I want you to know that he's delighted you were speaking to him. I want you to know he's delighted that you've been thinking about him. And I want you to know that he absolutely, completely and utterly loves you and wants the best for you. So I want to pray for us all now. Father, wherever we are at, whatever we believe, however we've been made, whatever painful or positive experiences we've had in the last few days, in the last few years, or even in our lifetime. Thank you that there is no situation so desperate that you cannot redeem it. Thank you that there is no person so broken that you cannot restore them. And there is no person who offer themselves to you that you cannot use. So Father, would you fan into flame the gifts that we've been given? 
Would you allow us as human beings to be the people that you made us to be? And might we know your joy, your strength, your peace, and your love as we in gratitude seek to share that love with a hurting world. Thank you, Father. Amen. Well, we thought in that 